today, I'm going to break down the biggest threat to cryptocurrency. It's not Mt. Gox, it's not the ETH Shanghai upgrade, it's something much, much bigger and much more severe. It's being labeled as Operation Choke Point 2.0, where the US government makes a direct attempt to shut off crypto on and off ramps in order to stifle the industry of liquidity. It has massive ramifications for the industry, and I would go so far as to say it's crypto's biggest headwind in 2023 and beyond. Essentially, it all started with the FTX collapse. If FTX was a butterfly flapping its wings in the Amazon rainforest, then Operation Choke Point 2.0 is the torrential rain now pouring down over the US crypto industry. Biden's White House, the Federal Reserve, the OCC, FDIC, and the DOJ, alongside influential members of Congress, are all in cahoots, hell-bent on stifling crypto's fiat access to suffocate the industry once and for all. Joseph Tetic, an analyst at Trezor, said that the situation with Silvergate shows just how the contagion effect from FTX continues to rumble on and how investors' exposure to the centralized exchange model can blow up. FTX has set off a butterfly effect greater than we can all comprehend, with direct legislative action happening as a response to the FTX saga last November. Now, in order to explain Operation Choke Point, I'm going to read out some of the key excerpts from Nick Carter's article, who did a fantastic job at explaining exactly what the regulatory landscape of crypto currently is, and why some of the actions against crypto could be alluding to something much more significant for the space. I'll link this full article in the description if you want to take a read, but it's absolutely fantastic and gives a great overview of the current situation. What began as a trickle is now a flood. The US government is using the banking sector to organize a sophisticated widespread crackdown against the crypto industry, and the administration's efforts are no secret. They're expressed plainly in memos, regulatory guidance, and blog posts. However, the breadth of this plan, spanning virtually every financial regulator, as well as its highly coordinated nature, has even the most steely-eyed crypto veterans nervous that crypto business might end up completely unbanked. Stablecoins may be stranded and unable to manage flows in and out of crypto and exchanges might be shut off from the banking system entirely. For crypto firms, obtaining access to the onshore banking system has always been a challenge. Even today, crypto startups struggle mightily to get banks and only a handful of boutiques to serve them. This is why stablecoins like Tether found popularity early on, to facilitate fiat settlement where the rails of traditional banking were unavailable. However, in recent weeks, the intensity of efforts to ring-fence the entire crypto space and isolate it from the traditional banking system have ratcheted up significantly. Specifically, the Biden administration is now executing what appears to be a coordinated plan that spans multiple agencies to discourage banks from dealing with crypto firms. Now, in this article, Nick Carter lays out some of the key events in terms of a timeline that show the progression of this discouragement. It started on December 7th, where Signature, one of the most active banks in crypto, announced its intent to halve deposits ascribed to crypto clients. On Jan 3rd, the Fed, FDIC, and OCC released a joint statement on the risks to banks engaging with crypto. On Jan 9th, Silvergate stock fell to as low as 11.55 on bank run and insolvency fears. On January 21st, Binance announced that due to policy at Signature Bank, they would only process user fiat transactions worth more than 100k. And at the end of the month, we saw a plethora of other huge actions against crypto banks. On January 27th, the Fed denied crypto bank Custodia's two-year application to become a member of the Federal Reserve System, citing safety and soundness risks. That same day, the National Economic Council released a policy statement 
statement, not explicitly banning banks from serving crypto clients, but strongly discouraging banks from transacting with crypto assets directly or maintaining exposure to crypto depositors. And at the start of February, we saw even more action against the space, with the DOJ fraud unit announcing an investigation into Silvergate over their dealings with FTX and Alameda. And on Feb 6, Binance suspend USD transfers for all retail clients, as we can see via their official notice here. So in summary, banks taking deposits from crypto clients, issuing stable coins, engaging in crypto custody, or seeking to hold crypto as principal have faced nothing short of an onslaught from regulators in recent weeks. This is an all-out attack on crypto, but it's being conducted in a manner that instead of going after crypto directly and outright banning cryptos, the government is choosing to stifle access to on and off ramps in order to starve the ecosystem of liquidity. If you want to kill the industry in plain sight, instead of just cutting it off and risking public uproar, why not just cut off access to that asset and then you will essentially receive the same result without the same amount of backlash. Now, the reason why this operation against crypto is being called Operation Choke Point is because it has similarities to what happened in 2013. So in 2013, Choke Point was a scheme which sought to marginalize specific industries operating legally, not through lawmaking, but by applying pressure via the banking sector. The Obama DOJ had already cut its teeth with a successful effort to sideline the online poker space in 2011 and 2012, with threats to issue to banks supporting poker companies. With Chokepoint, the department decided to scale up its efforts and target other industries, starting with uncontroversial targets like payday lenders. Since Chokepoint ended, using financial rails as a pain point to target industries has become more popular. So today, the outlook for banks remotely interested in crypto is precarious. The bank regulator crackdown is so insidious because normally markets would solve the problem and create new firms to fill the gap in the wake of certain bankruptcies or issues with a particular party. However, the Custodia experience and others show us that the US is forbidding de novo crypto bank charters. Nick asked the question, why the push by bank regulators now? Well, the FTX collapse is the simple answer because its ensuing effects, particularly on the Silvergate bank, has caused overaction as the regulators don't want another FTX to happen, so they're going over and above to try and stop a similar collapse in the future, but in tandem, they're making it much more difficult for the industry to operate efficiently and potentially are just using the FTX saga as a proxy to overregulate crypto, which is what I think definitely could be the case here. Companies now are scared to come under the SEC's purview. Circle has made the decision to stop processing ACH payments for all of its partner companies effective immediately, and many other real-world organizations are now starting to cut their ties to crypto in fear of backlash or prosecution. There was even rumors that US banking powerhouse JP Morgan decided to end its banking relationship with Gemini, which they then came out and debunked. But it's very telling that we are now seeing a stir amongst the banking community related to their relationships with the crypto industry. As Biden enters the second half of his term, his crackdown on crypto banking has deflated hopes for a regulatory reproachment in the US. Many crypto entrepreneurs are now waiting for 2025 and a putative DeSantis regime for things to turn, says Nick Carter. Some can't wait that long and are shuttering their plans for businesses which involve any type of regulatory approval, especially with regards to bank charters. Regulators are effectively picking winners with larger, more established crypto firms able to hang on to their bank relationships while newer ones are shut out. Crypto.com has even announced its struggle to maintain its fee up on ramps in the face of the crypto banking crisis. Crypto.com is now only to provide euro-denominated banking services to users in the European economic area, having previously lost the ability to accept US dollar deposits because of issues with its banking partners. There are now many exchanges which are literally unable to find a bank that can accept crypto. Now that Silvergate's gone down, the next logical 
option for many is Signature Bank. But even Signature Bank is not without its FUD with people speculating, like Mark Cahodes, who notoriously called the collapse of Silvergate, that potentially Signature could come under scrutiny and warns about the alleged malfeasance at Signature Bank. So if Crypto.com is facing issues finding a bank, what's going to happen for a lot of these smaller companies and smaller startups in the crypto space? They're not going to be able to find new partners. And if you're a bank trying to get into the crypto space, just as we saw with Custodia's denied application, it's now going to be very hard to enter the space. So all of this provides a massive headwind for cryptocurrencies. Now, there are genuinely optimistic arguments to this as well. There's the argument that DeFi could really see a resurgence in the face of centralization. There's also an argument that the lobbyists and senators that are on crypto's side will be able to push forward positive regulation because there are bills being worked on to protect the innovation of crypto. There's also the hopes that a new political party that potentially comes into power could change their stance on crypto and overhaul some of the current legislation that we're seeing from the current regulators. And there's also the hope that maybe this is just a short-term teething pain and in the long term we're going to get more clarity over crypto regulation and this will pave the way for a new wave of adoption in the future. But one thing is for certain out of all of this and that is that 2023 is going to be a pretty tricky year on the regulatory standpoint and Operation Chokepoint definitely has the potential to really stifle innovation in the industry. And we must keep our eye on the developments in this space because essentially in the case where crypto is unbanked in the United States, how are people going to get money in and out of crypto. Now, the other important thing is to note that this is just applying to the United States. This is a negative because the vast majority of people that transact with crypto and the vast majority of big companies are based in the US. But there will be other countries like, for example, the UAE and some Asian countries, which are far more lenient and are willing to approach crypto more leniently than the US. And also, if crypto innovation is really stifled in the US, you have to remember the entire point of crypto is to be immutable. So with or without the US, crypto is going to survive, crypto is going to go on, and that doesn't change Bitcoin's place in the world as hard money. It doesn't change Ethereum's potential to disrupt the current way we view the internet. It doesn't change anything from a fundamental level, but it does change things from a price perspective, at least in the short term, as there are major headwinds in the crypto space. So on the topic of decentralization, if you do want to trade any crypto assets and you don't want to do so on a centralized exchange, then there are very good decentralized alternatives now starting to pop up. For all the spot traders out there, I think KyberSwap is probably the best place because you are going to be able to swap cryptocurrencies on a DEX which automatically routes the best price for you across a multitude of chains. So if you want to swap an asset to get the best price and have the best and easiest user experience, then you can use KyberSwap. And if you're into perpetual trading, then you can do so on a perp DEX like G-Trade, which is going to offer you very fast execution and a very good user experience across a variety of pairs, not only in crypto, but also the Forex market. So in the description, I've linked links to both both KyberSwap and Gains Network if you want to go and trade on either of those networks and utilize the decentralized infrastructure that, as a result of all this crypto crackdown stuff, is obviously where the future of the space needs to go. And I think it's a good thing to familiarize yourself with how to use a DEX and how to get involved with these ecosystems because I think over time they're only going to become more relevant. And of course, if you are going to trade on a DEX just like a centralized exchange, I would recommend that you do use a VPN. Of course, you can use any VPN. You don't necessarily have to use our link or normal 
Nord. But if you do want to get a little bit of a discount, we do have a 59% off sale at the moment for NordVPN, where you can get one month free and also have a 30-day back money guarantee in case for some reason you don't like the product. So once again, you can use any VPN you want. I just recommend that you use a VPN because it is so important to keep your identity protected online. Just a couple more points that I want to touch on in relation to the regulatory stance versus crypto. We did have massive news with KuCoin actually being sued by the New York Attorney General, who also in the midst of this case proceedings alleged that Ethereum was actually a security. So this is pretty big news because it's the first time a regulator has claimed in court that ETH is a security. Now we have conflicting opinions on how Ethereum is viewed with the SEC Chairman Gary Gensler hinting that they do consider ETH to maybe be a security, but their sister's regulatory agency, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, considering ETH to be a commodity asset alongside Bitcoin. So personally, I view ETH as a commodity, but of course, if Ethereum is labeled as a security, this would be another headwind for the space. So the KuCoin lawsuit just shows that the crypto crackdown is far from over, and we've seen many regulatory crackdowns across the space with BUSD and Paxos, with Kraken staking as a service, many other companies as well, now KuCoin, and also now Ethereum being called a security. It's pretty crazy time for cryptocurrency. And that's why I said before in the show and months prior that 2023 is the year of crypto regulation for better or for worse. Right now, unfortunately, it is looking like for worse. We've also seen certain initiatives come out of Biden's camp that do negatively impact crypto, not directly, but via the tax law, which raises capital gains tax. Now, this affects people in the stock market as well, but a higher capital gains tax makes the proposition of investing in crypto slightly less tantalizing. Also, President Biden called for a 30% tax on all electricity used to mine Bitcoin. This is obviously a major headwind for Bitcoin if it goes through, as this would result in less miners in the US. It's only going to put control out of the US and into the hands of other countries, maybe Asian countries, maybe European countries, where there's more access to renewable energy. It's pretty crazy. Like I see the logic behind why he's doing it, but it just seems like this isn't very well thought through. If you're thinking from a logical perspective um, in terms of retaining innovation in your country, retaining some sort of control in your country if they wanted control over the Bitcoin network. But unfortunately for the US, no, they're going down a very slippery slope of harsh sanctions on the crypto industry. And this is just another one of them that isn't good amongst a whole lot of other crypto headwinds. Like obviously, as I mentioned at the start of the show, Mt. Gox and Shanghai keep being talked about. Silvergate Signature Bank as a result of choke point 2.0, capital gains increasing in the US, inflation worries coming back, all this macro stuff happening. It's a real crazy time for crypto markets. But remember, instead of panicking and going crazy or selling everything or making any rash decisions, you have to just zoom out Remember why you're in this space. Remind yourself of the reasons why you have conviction. I have conviction in Bitcoin because I believe there's a true need for hard money in the world after what we've seen with the debasement of fiat currency. I believe in Ethereum because I see the power of network effects and I see the amount of development that's happening on Ethereum and the amazing ecosystems that are being created. So with or without the US, this innovation is going to continue to push forward. It's whether you want to be on the side of innovation or whether you want to be on the side of stifling it. You have to make that decision yourself. You guys know what side I'm on and I'm a huge advocate of decentralization as I believe there is a real need for that in society and there are inherent benefits to that. Not only we as users can benefit from, but even the government could benefit from um, if they so chose to go down that path. But clearly at the moment, it seems like they aren't and we need to keep our eye closely on this space over the next few months and potentially years. 
If you enjoyed this video, make sure you smash the like button and click the subscribe button as well as the notification bell so you're notified every time we upload a video here on the channel. Let me know what you think of all this stuff in the comments. Do you think this crypto crackdown is going to pass? Do you think this is super bearish for the space over the next year or so? Let me know what you think because I'd be very interested to hear your opinion and I'll see you in the next video. Peace out guys.